Hello, and welcome to this month's episode of the CF Armed Forces podcast with me, your host, James Clark. On this month's episode, we will be speaking to Darren Henry, Member of Parliament for Broxstoke, who gave his maiden speech in the House during Armed Forces Week, and Ren Kapoor, MBE, the founder of X Forces Enterprise. Darren Henry is the Conservative MP for the constituency of Broxstow. He was elected in 2019, defeating the incumbent MP and former leader of the Independent Group for Change, Anna Subri. He formerly served 26 years in the Royal Air Force as a logistics officer. Darren, congratulations on giving your maiden speech. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Um, obviously a huge moment um, as in a parliamentarian's career. Can you expand a bit on the points you raised and maybe give our listeners a bit of a, an ex, a, a sort of an explanation of how you were feeling um, and you know, how you prepared uh, and, and, and how it went really? No, thanks very much. Yes, I did give my maiden speech yesterday. And uh, one of the interesting things is I spoke to the speaker and uh, you only get six minutes. That particular debate that you're in, uh, they're all allowed three minutes. So she was um, giving me special uh, concession to do right. six minutes to do my maiden speech. And, but what they do is they allow you to do your maiden speech without interruption. So um, it's quite a lot to get in in six minutes. And one of the things I was really weary of was I'm really speaking to my constituents and my constituents are in Broxtow. Whilst I, you know, have the convention of going through the speaker and getting feedback from colleagues that are in the chamber, I'm really speaking to Broxtow. And so it was trying to achieve all of that in the six minutes. Um, I was trying to let people know what drives me to serve Broxtow. Um, and the sorts of things that I brought up were my Windrush origins. Now that's personal to me. Um, but uh, one of the key things about that is that um, there's a bit of a story out there about um, you know the Windrush and other immigrants um, that uh, you know there should be Labour voters, um, and I wanted to change that story a little bit. My parents were Windrush generation, so I'm a descendant of them. They came here to work hard. Um, they were almost coming to the mother country, if you like. Mm. Um, they, uh, they, my dad worked shifts in a factory and my mum, um, as well, working all day. Uh, they worked hard. Uh, they bought a home. Um, they became successful through that and through savings. Um, and, uh, I wanted to bring that out. And I think that if you do work hard like that, you should be able to keep more of the money you earn. And that really is, uh, you know, central to conservatism and, and lower taxes so um we darren, were having, sorry sorry darren having having listened to your um your speech you mentioned y your conservative values and your your own kind of conservative brand over and over again and i think you, you used a great line about how you're conservative down to your fingertips i think you said something like that but it really That's stuck fine. with me yeah Excellent. I'm glad that came across then. Um, so that was really important. Uh, and also it's what shapes me as well. I had um, uh, a long RAF career, Royal Air Force career. Um, my children were born in, in the local hospital to the constituency. Uh, my wife had 25 uh, weeks out of a 34-week pregnancy in the hospital. 
we had a smashing result with the children being born. So I wanted to thank the NHS staff at that hospital and also talk about how it was really important that we invested as a government in rebuilding hospitals. And we hopefully will get a, a new women's and, and children's unit and I'll certainly be pushing for that. Um, my children are autistic, so I brought up uh, something about mental health, what a struggle it is, um, you know, for people in the constituency. And we, you know, I've got first-hand experience of that, so I brought that out. And uh, also, particular to the town, we need to be able to revitalise the town. The area in the East Midlands has been underinvested in, so I wanted to bring that out. And HS2 East Midlands Hub, well-connected hub, um, is coming to us. So uh, certainly wanted to mention that after COVID, we've got a bright future ahead. So that was a, an important message to make. And the most important point, the overall point about this is that I'm here to serve Broxtow. I, I think, I think, I mean, as, as somebody who, who isn't a constituent of yours, but as someone who watched that speech, that came across hugely and it was really um i thought i thought it was very inspiring and i'm not saying that because you know we're having conversation on, on this podcast but i i thought if i was a constituent that's exactly the kind of speech i'd want to hear you know it, it was it was statesmanlike and looked to the future and to the positive things that the government are doing but it was also personal and it was about the constituency so a, a really a really good balance were you nervous um i was it, i was keen to do it um, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, picking the uh, Armed Forces Week, Veterans Day itself, I think was, was really important. It just felt like it had to be that day. It was the right day to do it. And it was actually Windrush Week as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was in the right place. It was the time to do it and, you know, want to get it done. And, um, and uh, you know, quite happy about that. But, you know, I've, I've, I've been in the military a while and so I've, been involved in speeches and that sort of thing before as well is it is it um is it intimidating speaking in the house or or did you find it you know do you find it quite natural obviously as you said you you've got got plenty of experience doing sort of that kind of public speaking from your your military background but you know still there's a lot of history there um and it, and it looks when you're watching on television like it must be quite an intense environment it really is actually it's surprising um you sort of go in there thinking you know sort of people sitting on on benches or sofas sort of thing and we're all relaxed um it doesn't feel like that when you're in there yeah. and uh particularly uh before you do your maiden speech you're allowed to ask questions in the house you just can't debate now yeah. i've done my maiden speech i can debate so i have been asking questions of of uh, senior ministers um but before covid i asked um prime minister's question and uh the house really? was absolutely packed. Because that must have been really intense, yeah. And it was really, it really was in there. It, it, you feel the pressure, that's for sure. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> um, um, Darren, you've you mentioned um, coronavirus a couple of times, and obviously it's been a real roller coaster since you, you, you were um, elected in, in December 2019. Um, prior to that, you had a, a candidate's journey, and, and sort of sorry to kind of take, take you take you back a bit away from from some of the fantastic work that you've, you've been talking about but can you talk to talk to us um, and talk to the listeners a little bit about your candidates journey because we've got some 
members of um, CF Armed Forces who are interested in getting involved in both local and national politics. And we, we always try and get MPs to talk a little bit about what, what they were up to prior to, um, to when they went into the House. Well, I left the services in 2013 and joined the uh, uh, Conservative Party in 2014, right at the beginning of 2014, and joined the local Conservatives Association. Uh, so that was really the start for me, a Conservative at heart. Didn't feel that it fit with my military career to be campaigning and all that sort of thing. Um, it's not that you can't do that. It just didn't occur to me that I wanted to do that and of course with moving around and everything yeah. else um now i was set settled um you know i felt uh you know i want to get involved here and see what i can i can do um um to um express my values the conservative values so joining the local conservative association then you're amongst friends um that year i attempted to get on the parliamentary list um and actually did manage to achieve getting on the parliamentary list that year um but the funny thing is i thought oh i've done the hard bit well that <laughs> definitely is not true <laughs> that was the easy bit <laughs> um so uh so that was the start uh doing community stuff now the way i chose to do it was um i moved around every two years and ended up in in Wiltshire near stonehenge uh in the in the heart of uh, you know military and, uh, and and a lot of army people and uh, yeah. and so it's great we're among friends there, but I was keen to do things in my local village, so I started picking up litter. It was something that needed doing. There's quite an older population there, so doing something like that is uh, something that probably wouldn't get done, mm. but is really appreciated by the older generation who who have high standards and like the place to look clean. Um, so, uh, so, you know, um, started off doing that, doing community stuff. I was on the youth council. Um, I founded the, a youth club there. Right. Um, so I did that and then progressed onto the parish council, which is a volunteer. Yeah. But uh, is involved in doing things in the community, seeing what the community needs are and it gets minuted. It's more formal. Um, and, uh, and enjoyed that and in the meantime I was getting more and more involved in the Conservative Party so what you do is you you go out and campaign for people you become an activist um, we all support each other so whatever elections coming up you will go out and, and support the, the councillors and the MP hmm. my MP was John Glenn who's a fantastic chap um, and uh, so going out and supporting them. Um, and uh, then I became deputy chair political uh, with the local association. And uh, then eventually area chairman for Wiltshire, where I was at the time. Yeah. So that's my journey. So that was your journey. And then, and then with, the, um, with the selection for Broxtow, was, was, that a, a smooth, was that a smooth run at it? Or, a, you know, long list, then short list? And, and how long did you have as the candidate before the election? Uh, so I stood for a, a few seats, actually. Um, and uh, I think it's quite important that uh, people become councillors. Um, I think it's part of that that process because mm. the first seat I went for was Northwest Hampshire 
um, because of, I had a connection with Andover. Right, yeah. Uh, and that's the main town there. And Kit Morthouse got that seat. Yeah. And I thought I was the local candidate and, and, and worked really hard for it and everything else. Very disappointed. I, you know, I was in the, the final 11, but mm. didn't get it. And now I think back, you know, I was nowhere near ready. Right. Um, and so um, after, uh, uh, you know, being a, a parish councillor, something I did was, was become a Wiltshire councillor, mm. which is a county councillor, unitary councillor. Yeah. And I think that's important as a, as, a, as a stepping stone to that. You learn as you go along. You become active for, for other um, uh, MPs. You learn what they do. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, I, and I went in for other seats. Um, so I fought an unwinnable, which was uh, Wolverhampton Northeast, and uh, and then uh, stood for some other seats. Um, got fairly close to selection, mm. and then eventually um, was very fortunate to get Broxstow. Um, and, and you've already touched on this a little bit. Um, you know, you talked about being ready and you've talked about joining the, the council. But do you have any um, sort of broader advice for aspiring candidates, both those with a military background and those who are non-military? What would you say are the, the key elements that you need to kind of bring? Well, I think the important thing is to get involved in the community and support other people. I went out campaigning across the country for people. So in 2014, at a by-election, I was there supporting Robert Jenrick. Ah. And uh, so, you know, some people will know him. Uh, <laughs> and you, you get to learn best practice there. Um, and also it was quite nice that um, he, you know, came to Broxstow and we knew each other because I'd been out campaigning with him. And then, you know, it comes around full circle. I also campaigned for Robert Buckland up in, in Swindon, um, um, who's the Justice Secretary. Um, so uh, it's important to get out in the community. Um, it's important to be an activist, I think, uh, and support others. And you get the same back in kind and you pick up best practice. I would say never give up. <laughs> Because I went to several seats and, you know, uh, the unwinnable I mentioned, um, don't give up. And that advice was given to me and I'll give it to others as well. And, and that's, a, that's a great piece of advice for us to, to move on to my next question, um, which uh, goes, goes back a little bit further again um, to your military career. Um, and and you, you, you haven't sort of banged the drum too much um, about it, um, certainly in, in some of the clips that I've seen. But, you know, you must be very proud um, of your, your previous career in the RAF. And I wondered if um, on this podcast you'd, you'd like to go into any highlights and maybe even some lowlights as well. I mean, you, you've said, you know, never give up. And that, that's something that obviously applies to military service as well. But any kind of highlights or, or lowlights that you'd like to mention? Well, I was... Uh involved in logistics in the in the military um and so you know i saw myself as a logistics professional um you know thinking to you know when i came out that's the sort of role i'd go for because it was all over my cv mm. i felt i felt like i was a professional at it as well mm. um but there was one tour that i did as community support officer right at a, at a major flying station called RAF Marham in Norfolk. And uh, I was involved there with supporting housing, the families, uh, drafting up the community covenant, which was signed uh, between the station and Norfolk County Council. 
to ensure that military families weren't disadvantaged in the civilian community. Uh, it was just after um, we had the Libya operations, actually, and the honorary Air Commodore, the Queen, came to visit afterwards, after the Libya operations. And I was able to explain to her that it's really, really important that people who are concentrating on the mission, not thinking about their families, because we're here to support their families back at home. And I think that was an important message. And I felt I made a real difference um, to that. Um, and, 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 you know, that was the kind of thing that what, you know, got me into, well, okay, I want to do something in the community, perhaps. Mm. Public service clearly really drives me. And, um, uh, and, and becoming a politician, you know, became a natural progression, I think, from that. I think the military, one of the, one of the great things is the camaraderie. Mm. It really is. Um, you're amongst like-minded people. Um, you know where you stand. And, uh, you know, you could just, I mean, you know, the old one, you just turn up in a pub anywhere. But a military person, probably from any other nation, and, you know, you'd hit it off, wouldn't you? Because you've Absolutely. got things to talk about. And that is just fantastic. Um, a low point is you're not in control of your own destiny. Mm. You're really just waiting for your next posting. And I'd say that was a low point. But there aren't many low points. I had a smashing career and I'd recommend it to anyone. Brilliant. That's, gr that's great to hear. And, and, that's, and that's very honest. And I'm sure that... Um, people with both um, reservists and and regulars and ex-military people will agree that the the lack of control you have over your own career to a certain extent is it can be very frustrating and and, and can be very um, yeah it can sort of make you disengage um, but it sounds like you you absolutely made the most of your your time there um, what strengths um, do you think that you've brought from your time in the military into your current role in Westminster uh, oh, there's many, there's many strengths from uh, coming from the military. It's quite interesting, actually, on the conservative side, there's an awful lot of lawyers, bankers, journalists, um, a few military. On the other benches, it's a bit more, bit more um, varied. Um, but, you know, the military people, I suspect, will... Um, I, thought, I thought it's quite, quite funny. I went to um, my first... Um, Conservative Party conference uh, in 2014 in Birmingham mm. and uh, I, you know I went into this lecture that was going on and I saw Bob Stewart, Colonel Bob Stewart Colonel Bob, yeah. and of course I'm interested in this sort of thing so I thought oh I'm going to have a chat to him, ex-military you know um, uh, you know, give me some advice or something and he's a lovely chap and we hit it off straight away but I just thought it was really interesting. He had his badge on, which everybody had on, the Conservative Party and all that on. And on his, it said, Colonel Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so, um, Brilliant. but, uh, uh, you know, leadership um, from building on my um, parliamentary team. Uh, as it happens, half my team are ex-military. That's <laughs> uh, funny old thing. Um, and, and actually, I think the key to that is because I understand that, you know, there are some excellent researchers out there, people who've been parliamentary assistants. Mm. I am more interested in, in loyalty and that um, integrity trust, and I can work on the rest. Yeah. You know, and so that, that to me is how, how I selected them. Um, and I think, you know, 
you get that in the military. Loyalty and integrity is, is, is an important thing for us. Um, triaging work. Yep. I think that's, yep. that's quite useful. And, you know, you will have to work under pressure. And I think, you know, we get good training for that in the military, for sure. And getting things done. I mean, that's been my campaign slogan. I will get things done. Military people get things done. And it's a real frustration in Parliament, actually. Um, you know, people don't necessarily do that. Um, and getting things done, I think, is really, really important. So kind of on, on that note, obviously, getting elected um, to become a member of a parliament is, is a huge achievement. Um, and you're talking about getting things done. Are you, um, what, what do you have planned? Are you reactive um, to what your constituents want or are you, are you planning um, things in the future? And what have you found most enjoyable about the experience so far? Um, yes, uh, you, there is a bit of both there. You know, you are reactive. I am trying to build in some, some strategy uh, with it um, because what I'd like to be in a position to do, and there's an awful lot happening and there's an awful lot you're learning. I, you, know, you know, I didn't I get a politics degree. I, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, wasn't involved in politics all the time. Um, so I'm learning an awful lot about how parliament works and so on as I'm going. It's probably quite a, a good way to go about looking at the casework that you've got coming in and picking those things that you want to represent tying that into the queen's speech because at the beginning of parliament you get the queen's speech and that lays out all the acts that they're going to try and address as a government and taking those topics and trying to apply them to the casework that's coming in thinking about phrasing oral questions that you ask in the chamber at the right time with the timetable as the timetable comes up and the timetable only really gets finalized a week before mm. um, so that's quite tricky and then if you don't get a chance to have an oral question in the chamber it's been difficult since covid mm. um, with parliamentary time they're putting in written questions then getting back to constituents because was one of the things we said in the military was uh, it's not what you have done, it's what you have been seen to have done. And, uh, and that's so true, you know, you, you need to, you know, it's no good working away and feeling that you're doing really well, because um, casework is a, is a confidential thing. You've got to find a way of letting the constituents know how busy you've been doing things and getting things done for them, things that they need doing. Mm. So that has been a real challenge to get myself and also building a team at the same time. Mm. Um, so, you know, so I think that's uh, a, a really important thing to do. But then you get things that are reactive. Um, nobody can anticipate, well, apart from COVID, which <laughs> is the obvious one, but nobody could anticipate Dominic Cummings week. That was <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and we, we've got uh, um, over 4,000 cases uh, the team are dealing with. Wow. And we got, we got 500 emails that first week. Um, so, yes, uh, there's a bit of both um, planning and being reactive, being able to deal with it. Um, one of the things I find um, really satisfying, and this is the thing about being a politician at any level, um, it's, you know, when you, 
when you go out and you actually get something done and you help people, people are satisfied. And there's awful lot more people who are satisfied mm. and praising you than the people who aren't. Mm. Uh, yeah, the people who aren't will get the headlines and will be very irritating. Mm. Um, but actually, there's an awful lot of job satisfaction there. And one of my uh, team have, have, have called it a file of loveliness, which is a little folder we keep with all the nice uh, emails that come in thanking us. And, and it's nice. That's great. That's really important. It's, it's strange at the moment. We seem to live in a kind of political time where the, a shrill vocal minority um, really do kind of drop a lot of poison into, into both yes. social media and, and email inboxes and, and campaigns. And, and they really aren't representative of, of the much wider community. And it's a shame that that kind of barrage is sort of faced by the, by the staff and by, and by MPs like, like yourself, Darren, you know, when, when actually you kind of think, gosh, you just wish they'd, they'd pipe down for a bit and you could get on with some real work. But yeah, very much agree with you. And that word poison is a very apt word for mm. some of the activity that's come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so, so um, Darren, I'm conscious of the, the, the time pressures for you, but just before um, we, we sign off, um, it's, it's been Armed Forces Week and obviously you've, you've done your maiden speech, but um, are you going to continue your involvement with the Armed Forces through your work in Parliament? Um, and, and if so, how? And if you're not, um, you know, are you, are you sort of getting involved with parliamentary schemes and that sort of thing or helping colleagues? Absolutely. You know, uh, um, you know, I'm made this way uh, now, so um, I'll always want to be involved as a, as a subject that interests me. Uh, on my in my constituency, there is uh, Chetwind Barracks, Chilwell mm. Station, um, and they have uh, 170 engineering group there, um, among other people on the station. And they were heavily involved in Opt uh, Opt Rescript, right, which was putting putting support out for COVID nineteen pandemic. So um, you know, I've spoken there um, to the commanding officer and. You know, so and that's an important part. Actually, that the site there is is um, the old uh, shell factory. They produce shells in the right. First World War. Um, so there's a link there. Um, and uh, also, uh, I've attended all party parliamentary groups for the armed forces. Mm. Um, one event I had Major General Sharon Naismith, who right. is the uh, director of personnel in the army, the highest ranking female. I understand. Yeah. Um, very interesting chat she gave us. Air Vice Marshal Ian Gale gave us a briefing dinner as well, um, Assistant Chief of the Air Staff. Um, I've been involved in uh, Zoom conferences with Campaign Force, um, yeah, yeah. little outfit. Uh, and, uh, you know, so yes, I'll be keeping, definitely, definitely keeping ties. And also, I'd just like to mention, before we finish, that I am very happy to mentor other people. Darren, that's, well, that's really kind. And we, we, um, I, I, I spoke to your wife um, prior to this call and she, she raised exactly the same point. So that message is definitely getting through. And, and I'd urge um, anybody who's listening to this podcast and who and it is um, ex-military or, or, or a member of ours to please get in touch with me or Darren's office because um, uh, obviously you're, you're, very, um, you're very kindly offered to, to help people um, who, who are looking for uh, advice uh, and a bit of role modelling. Um, so that, that's, that's really, really kind, Darren. Um, I, I, I so time is time's ticked away. Um, it's been a lovely, lovely chat. Really, really interesting to hear from you. Um, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. And um, I hope you get to uh, enjoy the weekend and, and get a bit of rest um, from what must be an incredibly busy but rewarding job. Thank you very much, James. 
Our final guest on this month's podcast is Ren Kapoor, MBE. As the founder and CEO of X-Forces Enterprise, Ren supports members of the Armed Forces community startup businesses. Since 2013, X-Forces Enterprise has supported over 1,250 business ventures launched by veterans, service leavers, reservists, cadets, and or their family members. Ren was awarded an MBE to Services for Entrepreneurship in 2016 in the Queen's 90th Birthday Honours List and continues to serve as a reservist in the British Army. Ren, thank you so much for joining us on uh, the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure uh, to have you here. Um, my first question to you, could you tell us a little, about, uh, a little bit about X-Forces Enterprise, um, how it started, uh, what your inspiration was for, for starting it, how long it's been going, and some of the, the achievements that um, you and your team um, have made? Thank you, James, and it's a pleasure to be with you uh, today as well. So thank you very much indeed. Right, so where do I start? Um, two of my greatest passions are enterprise learning and also a sense of belonging. Both of those things you know, have been at the root of, uh, if you like, my culture, but also you know, from a part of adversity as well, in the sense that I didn't necessarily have uh, all the uh, uh, support that I necessarily would have uh, felt that I needed to have as a young person growing up. So those two things, sense of belonging, enterprise, is really at the heart of X-Forces. And if you fast forward, in 2008, of course, everybody will remember that we had the financial crisis and uh, government uh, at the time, and it was a conservative government at the time, uh, did a lot to try and uh, get economy, get the economy um, uh, back into swing. And Lord Young uh, had an, an initiative um, to start up businesses. And I didn't know Lord Young at that time, but fast forward a few years later, this is like 2013, and an initiative was um, pushed forward to kickstart the economy through startups. I had just sold my uh, shares in another organization and um, Lord Young actually was presenting his paper in number 10 and talking about how important it is that we support the economy and how 99% of GDP comes from uh, the SMEs. So all of that sounded amazing. There was one thing though that I felt uh, really needed to um, be put on the agenda and that was the handrail of support and the handrail of support was the thing that was really missing for me and I couldn't see how in the um, in the uh, strategy that that was a big part of what we were trying to do as as UK um, PLC and UK government so that's how X-Forces really started it was through uh, helping business innovation and skills as it was to think outside the box so that we didn't have the high um, deficit rate with uh, startup businesses. So now let's fast forward from, from 2013 when we officially launched and we've had over 2000 businesses that we've supported from uh, ground zero but more importantly, we've had thousands and thousands more that have come into the X-Forces uh, family, as I call it, 
for education learning, enterprise learning, and making an informed decision as to whether starting a, a business is for them um, or actually opting out and through a um, learning process uh, as to whether this is something that they really want to do now or into the future or not at all. And the important thing about this is that uh, enterprise learning and business, understanding business startup, actually stands you in good stead whether you are an employee or uh, an employer. And we talk about it as intrapreneur and entrepreneur. So I think it's actually really valuable across the board, not just about starting up. And so, Ren, if I can just ask you, what made you um, connect with the X Forces community in such a way? Because it sounds like you you already have a you know a lot of experience with business and entrepreneurship anyway, but you've obviously chosen to focus your efforts and the efforts of your organization on current serving military personnel and ex-military personnel going into business or transitioning why did you why did you focus on ex-forces well you know and it's a really good question actually james because uh round about that same time and of course i've mentioned uh business innovation and skills and they were looking at community groups that um they wanted to support through the startup uh, provision and one of those um, uh, groups was a, around people who have, may have touched the custodial system and so I started delving a little bit deeper into uh, into that agenda and I found that there were um, you know if you look at different stats anywhere between nine and ten percent of people who touched the custodial system had an armed forces background so that really uh, triggered something but also, way before that, I always wanted to be in the armed forces. As I, you know, as I was growing up, so I didn't have the opportunity to do that, and I ended up starting my own business at 18 instead. And that's where the cultural thing fits in. So you start to sort of uh, pull the layers together, and it becomes a bit of a perfect storm. And if you look at, um, you know, the, the example I gave you about the study I did for Biz around uh, the custodial system. It really um, touched me um, quite profoundly because what it sort of meant is that for some people, not for everybody, but for the uh, infantry in particular, some of those individuals may have gone into the armed forces because that was something that felt right for them and then they felt that they belonged somewhere. And then when they're coming out, that sense of belonging, it's quite a shock. And I sort of related to that, having been a bit of a latchkey kid, not fitting in and all of that sort of good stuff. So having had a bit of experience under my belt, having helped um, society, both from a volunteer perspective, um, I was appointed by the Secretary of State in 2009. That was Ed Balls at the time, who was the Secretary of State for Labour. Um, he uh, he actually appointed me for supporting uh, young people on the enterprise journey who may not have conformed necessarily with the education system. So there's a lot of moving parts. It's not just one thing. It's a lot of different things that actually brought this um, model around X-Forces uh, enterprise together. And uh, yeah, I'm really proud of the people that are in this community i do think of them as my friends and family i think of x forces as my family and um yeah the core of it is about belonging but in a business context 
Yeah, I mean, as, as somebody who's actually been in and, and used um, the, the, the sort of X-Forces Enterprise facilities and done some of the learning and also had an interview with you, you know, that sense of belonging and building that kind of family ethos and also that mission and purpose, um, I think, you know, from, from anecdotally, I think you've really absolutely nailed it. Um, uh, you know, and, and obviously, hence why I've, I've invited you on to our, to our podcast, yeah. kind of spread your, your positive message. Um, Thank you. Can you um, can you talk about some of the collaborations and the partnerships that you've formed? You've obviously, yeah. had a, you know, it's it's been going since sort of the the idea has been germinating since two thousand eight. Um, have you got you know big kind of um, companies that support you and and who supports you kind of within the government as well? So you know, we've talked about what's at the heart of this, and it's about belonging. And and you know what, James, that isn't just um, a one silo. It isn't just about the community. Of course, the community. Um, and whether it's a service leavers, veterans or their family members, uh, reservists as well. But it's also about the community beyond the ones that have been in uniform uh, or uh, in uniform. And that makes up uh, the what we call now, I have actually stolen this from the chief of defence uh, people. Um, he called it the magic dust. And that's about bringing the stakeholders together. So that's how I differentiated them. So we have the beneficiaries and members who are the people who are at the coalface of our service. But in terms of supporting that service, you have government, you have a big business, and we, we work with what we call the Magic 20. So they are household known names that you would uh, identify with from Cisco, London Stock Exchange, Sage, uh, NatWest and, and various others and then you've also got the military charities and I have to say they are you know the partners within the military charities are super amazing because they also get from the concept from uh, reliance to resilience so what exports enterprise is about it's about the resilience and when individuals have been supported with, let's say, Help for Heroes, and that's a very different reason for going to Help for Heroes, and you start to rebuild your health and well-being, what happens next? And then we start to look at how we can support the charity sector on that journey. So when we talk about the uh, government, that the government is right the way from the MOD, you would expect the MOD, um, and we deliver the national contract on behalf of CTP for enterprise, so just that bit on its own. But then we also work very closely with the, with DWP, the Department for Work and Pensions, and their job centres to make sure if there's anybody within the veteran community who want to explore business that they have all the tools that they need. And uh, it would be good to re-establish. Actually, I think you know Bays have gone through quite a lot now um that it'd be good to re-establish some some tighter links with pays but we've got british business bank if british business bank hadn't played ball we wouldn't be able to support the individuals with some of the funding we're the last resort for funding we're not the first resort so we always look at how do individuals look at funding themselves is there any grants available and also the banks should be the first point of call but that's never always going to be the solution so we've brought what is, uh, we call it a holistic solution to the armed forces to do with business. And of course, we've now got this 
platform uh, that we've launched just this week um, in Armed Forces Week, um, which will make it even easier for people to communicate with each other for peer-to-peer -peer support, but also the tools uh, that we would we would usually provide by email and what look, feels like snail mail uh, now, they've got access to that 24-7. That really makes a big difference to people who are spouses and partners as well. That's, that's brilliant, Ren. I mean, you, you, so, you, so you've mentioned you've launched this platform for um, um, Armed Forces Week. Are you doing anything on Armed Forces Day or, or is, the, is that, you know, is that launch a kind of big enough, uh, big enough sort of aspect for, for you guys for a week? Yeah, so, um, so again, in true collaboration, and I think, James, you know, we don't just say it, it, it would uh, break my heart if, you know, if, if my team didn't understand the whole collaboration piece. So we are really big on collaborating. So the entire week, we are showcasing what our partners have done, such as ABF and uh, the Soldiers Charity, H4H and the beneficiaries and the members who have come through that and really highlighting the reservists, the spouses. So that's happening all week. And uh, a lot of them are already on the platform and the Knowledge Exchange Hub. So they're talking about their experiences there. But actually for Armed Forces Day, um, the big uh, thing that we are uh, unveiling is the uh, partnership with the Federation of Small Businesses. So we've been working with FSB for a while and, and negotiating with them. They have now put a unique package together for armed forces businesses. Uh, so if they've been through the ex-forces enterprise um, program or if they've touched XF in some way, uh, what we'll do is verify that there's a, a substantial discount there. But more importantly, even if you don't become a member of the Federation of Small Businesses, they are providing a lot of their information to X-Forces now so that we can get that disseminated through our platform. So the Knowledge Exchange Hub, they're contributing to newsletters and things like that. So the big, big thing for Saturday, Armed Forces Day, is the partnership and what that partnership means to the X-Forces community. Well, that is fantastic news and congratulations. That's really, that's really brilliant. You, you must be really, really excited. I'm really pleased to hear it. Um, I'm, I'm very excited because it was, you know, it wasn't about the lack of desire. Yeah. Uh, it was about how the process would work and, you know, the uh, codes and everything else. So that's sort of taken, I know I said, you know, we've been talking to them for two years, but I think this, uh, getting this off the ground, we've had a bit of false starts in terms of COVID getting in the way and the websites and everything else that needed to um, you know, happen. So I'm very excited. I'm very, very pleased with the outcome because the outcome will have a return on investment for our community. And that's what's important. That's that's absolutely brilliant. Um, I'll, I'll um I'll, I'll sort of I'll let you go um, um shortly, but I thought because obviously this is the you know the, it is the conservative friends of the armed forces, but a lot of our listeners will be interested to hear about whether you have a lot of engagement from members of parliament. Um, obviously we've got a kind of quite a large cohort now of ex-military personnel who are in parliament, and whether any of those have been in touch with you or even supported by you. Um, I wondered if you could sort of tell us a little bit about your um, sort of political links. Right, so I think it's really important, James, thank you, because it's actually really important that we have um, connection with, um, the, with politicians. There's no doubt. We wouldn't be able to do what we've done 
unless we were able to converse and be heard on behalf of our community. We have had three uh, policy changes now under our belt that we've either initiated and taken to uh, completion or influence. So, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be able to do that because we can see some great stuff on the ground. We are cross-party, but we've had, of course, people like Johnny Mercer, Oliver Dowden, and Marie Trevelyan. I mean, she wasn't even an elected MP when she reached out to us. That must be, what, six years ago, and came, um, came down to see us from Northumberland back in the day just Brilliant. to find out what we were about and has stayed connected all of this time. So, um, you know, we've, we've, we've been very fortunate that we have had a voice because that voice has actually made some change and that change the most recent one has been with uh, the office of veterans affairs Tobias Alwood and Oliver Dowden and we managed to with the support of the federation of small businesses uh, get the national tax relief which goes gets into play uh, next April and that is for the armed forces community in business so it is important we are grateful for the voice, but we are also uh, cognizant that there is a collaboration between um, uh, the Conservatives, Labour, Lib Dem, and across the board. And actually, I have seen that. I have seen, um, you know, the contacts I've just mentioned, and there's way more than that. We've obviously had uh, stuff um, that we've spoken about with Michael Fallon and Gavin Williamson back in the day as well. But they've been collaborative and, and it's good to see because that is our stance. It is about cross-party engagement and the collaboration around that. That's right. It's kind of everyone pulling in the same direction to, to make life a little bit better or a little bit easier for, for guys and girls who are transitioning out. Um, just, just finally then, Ren, um, you, you, you're down as a reservist. Can you tell us a little bit about your um, time as a reservist and what you've been up to? And also, um, I note that you've been an Armed Forces Ambassador as well. Can you talk through what your kind of responsibilities have been doing that? Right. Well, James, if you could see me, I'm beaming now. So, <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> you know, um, that's one of my, you know, bucket list was, uh, which I never thought I'd ever achieve because I thought I was far too old. Um, but being a reservist, I'm a volunteer reservist. Um, so my commitment is 19 days, but you wouldn't be surprised to know that I do much more than that. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's very much around the networks. It's around uh, the work that I do as a reservist is bringing my knowledge and from my day job so that that we can better understand from a reservist perspective how better we can support the community and society in general so uh for me i'm very proud to be part of the british armed forces i have an amazing uh unit i work with i can honestly say i i i feel so supported um, because I feel like I'm transitioning in. So I know that my day job is to help people to transition out and I'm on the other side of the uh, shoe, if you like, uh, and transitioning in. So that's really great. Um, in terms of uh, being an ambassador, an armed forces ambassador and champion, well, that's about integration. It's about from a, you know, from a civilian perspective, as a civilian most of the time, how our services, and, and not just the armed forces, but in this particular case, our armed forces support us to do the jobs we do to stay safe. Um, but also then the other side, when I am in uniform, how do we communicate better with the civilian world as well? And if I can just do a teeny weeny bit 
to bridge that gap, then um, I'm very happy. And I hope that, you know, that also supports uh, others and society as well. But uh, yeah, very proud to be part of it. Well, I think from from everything that you've said and from what I know about you, you you're definitely doing more than just a teeny bit to bridge that gap. Um, thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, we really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much for all of your hard work um, and for, for all of the help and the advice that you give to X-Forces personnel who are looking to start in business or perhaps not, you know, um, but thank you so much for, for giving them um, a, a, another sort of, um, another way of accessing information and advice that they might not otherwise have. You're welcome and thank you. You've been listening to the CF Armed Forces podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and you join us for the next month. Goodbye.